abrupt intro ending. Welcome in. It is the John Cast Podcast. Thank you for tuning into this podcast. I'm thinking maybe a new intro soon. I don't know. I'm not sure. Let me know what you think. You can tweet at John Audius Radio. You can send me a message at my website, johncastpodcast.com. Should I change the intro? It's just kind of music because it's more of a video thing. But let me know if you think uh, I should be changing it. By the way, this is the last um, episode for you to qualify to win college football tickets on November 5th in Madison and a $50 gift card to me and Julio. What do you got to do? Great question. So my buddy Justin from college gave me his tickets to the game. And Justin came up with three trivia questions. This is the last of three trivia questions. You can find the second one in my last episode. And the episode before that is the first one. All you got to do is comment with the answer on social media. So whether that's on Twitter or you see the post for the episode on Facebook or Instagram, just comment in there. And if you get all three correct, all three trivia questions correct, you will then qualify for those four tickets and the $50 gift card. So this is the final question. As a head coach, okay. How many conference championship teams has Kelly Sheffield at Wisconsin coached for volleyball? As a head coach, how many conference championship teams has Kelly Sheffield coached? Not just at Wisconsin, but just as a head coach in his career, okay? How many championship teams? Answer that with a comment on social media. And if you get all three questions over the last three episodes correct, you will qualify for the drawing for the four college football tickets and the $50 gift card. Okay, now that we've got that completed, I'd like to remind you that me and Julio is a fine sponsor of this program. They've got game day football specials for college football and pro football, $3 Coors Light Pints, $5 Classic Margaritas, and of course, great food specials. And hey, if you're wondering, where can we go on a Sunday that's open to go eat and perhaps for breakfast? How about me and Julio? They're open seven days a week and their Sunday breakfast is from nine to one and it's outstanding. So check out me and Julio. That's just off Fish Hatchery Road in Madison. Ian's Pizza is also a fine sponsor of this podcast and all three of their Madison locations will be dishing out free slices. Did you hear me? Free slices of mac and cheese pizza on election day, November 8th from 5 to 10 p.m. 5 to 10 p.m. on election day. They'll be closed until five that day to ensure that their staff has plenty of time to go out and vote as well. But you go vote first and get your pizza later. All right, free slice of mac and cheese, all three Madison locations of Ian's Pizza after 5 p.m. on November 8th from 5 to 10 p.m. All right, there you go. Well, today's guest is a staple on the Big Ten Network. Has been with the network, I believe, since it's very... Have you been with the network since the very beginning? I think you have. My guest is Mike Hall of the Big Ten Network. Mike, thank you so much for joining the podcast. This is awesome. Nice to meet you. I'm glad to meet you too. Appreciate the invite. All right, so you started at BTN. You You were there since day one. That's right. Yeah, I signed on in like June or July of 07, and we went on the air, I think, August 30th of 2007. Man. So the thing I remember most about BTN and when it first launched, right, was the Michigan Appalachian State game, right? <laughs> Wasn't that like the first broadcast of a football game? It was our first ever broadcast. Michigan was ranked in the top five. They were national champion preseason favorites, and nobody would really heard of Appalachian State unless you lived in North Carolina. Yeah. And uh, we had this A-team broadcast crew ready to go, Tom Brenneman and Charles Davis and Carissa Thompson on sidelines. And Sure enough, the upset happened, and we went from the network that people were saying nobody's ever going to watch because none of the games are any good to it was the story of the week nationally in the sport. That's I was just going to say, okay, so th- there was some criticism at the time, right, of BTN like that, like you just mentioned. But I, I have to, I was going to ask, like that amazing game and finish had to help at some level in the network just kind of 
propel itself over expectations? Uh, massively. Um, it was a, a huge, uh, you know, thunderbolt of energy for what we were trying to get done. The um, Again, that was sort of the narrative was people were saying, well, why would you watch that network? Why do we need to put it on our cable system? There's nothing important. It's third tier games. And the truth is, I do think we would have at some point, you know, been fine anyways. But it was such a jolt to us because at the end of the day, the whole reason that the network is was a success is because people don't remember this. But, you know, 16 years ago, your football team in college would have been on TV two, three, four times a year, maybe. And we were offering you the ability to watch every single game, no matter what. Um, and that just wasn't a thing. So I always thought it would work because if you're a Wisconsin fan and you have the option of watching 12 of your team's games or two, three, or four, well, you'd rather watch those 12. Now, maybe you don't care about seeing every Minnesota game. Maybe Michigan-Appalachian State doesn't matter to you. But the, when you can focus on your teams, that's what matters. So I think the network would have been fine one way or another. But it just immediately killed the narrative that the network is only going to have unimportant games and nothing special will happen there. And that just, it was a, you know, a big wave of energy we rode into the second week and into the second year even of our network. Yeah, I think no matter what, Big Ten Network was going to be a success could because there were so many fans involved with their teams and there were so many games that people were going to come there. You know, you were going to get viewers. But I think it's also kind of interesting that what helped propel or, or you know, kind of jumpstart that whole thing was a loss by a conference team. You know what I mean? Like the loss helped the whole Big Ten conference uh, or the Big Ten network in a way. It was just it's kind of strange that way. No, I totally agree that. And that was a weird thing at the day. The day it happened, there was an immediate thought of like, oh, boy, this is this is not good for the network. Because one of the signature teams about to have a signature year or so, we thought, is now kind of the, not the laughing stock, but like they were being ripped on and made fun of. And like some of the smarter bigwigs at the time were maybe not necessarily bragging about this, but in their head were going, yeah, this, this is going to work out okay for us. This is, you'd rather have the Big Ten teams win, but if you're going to have a loss, it might as well be on our air if it's going to make national news. Yeah. So we've never really met before or spoke. I, I'm not sure. Have we met before? We might have met in passing. Or I know you've, you've prob I probably called you to try to get you on the radio show in Madison a couple of times when I had. Yeah, I, yeah, we've known of each other. You stalked yeah. me on my window for a couple of years. We got past <laughs> it. Everything's fine now. <laughs> so what's what is new? So so what? How, how do you fill your time between Big Ten Network and what do you like to do on the side? Like, is it just all sports, sports, sports? Well, I've become a, a, a father of three now. So that's at, at this point, kind of whenever I'm not working, that's what I'm doing is is dealing with the kids, um, a six, three and a one year old. Um, you know, when I was younger, living in Chicago, I would do improv comedy. That was my my thing I did away from from work. Um, but once I got married and started having kids there, the amount of free time you had <laughs> sort of very quickly goes away and you're you're coaching baseball, you're putting on shoes, which might take two to three hours, depending on the day. Uh, and that's just me, let alone the three-year-old. But um, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of my, my life right now is work and dad. That's mostly it. Yeah, that would be, okay. So I was going to ask, like, do you watch like TV shows or play game video games or yeah. something like that? But I don't know how much time with a one, a three-year-old and a six-year-old, you must yeah. just be constantly up and just tying, like you said, tying shoes or playing or doing something. Yeah, I, I do still have, there's sometimes, you know, it's funny, there's a there's a nerdy thing I can tell you about. You ever heard of the board game Catan, Settlers I, of Catan? 
I have uh, the men's basketball team at one point during their uh, big runs. I think they they liked playing, or at least members of the team, certain members like playing that game. Yeah, I've heard of it. It's it's a fun one. My uh, a couple of my good buddies about you know eight or nine years ago got me into it. And then when COVID hit, you know, that first like couple months, nobody knew what was going on. And my one buddy got super nerdy into it. He found like this dark web version of it where you could play Catan with literally people all over the world. Um, and and so we got kind of those first couple months when it was like, what are we doing in life? That was like, oh, this is a thing I'd look forward to. When the kids went to bed, my wife went to bed, I would stay up for like two or three hours and would just play that. And it would, you know, run my brain and, and give it some activity. Um, but it uh, uh, was harder to play with human people uh, in person, for sure, for a while. Although I had a, I had a fun game the other day over at my house. So, uh, so we did some of that. So let me, uh, I brought it up if you're watching on Spotify, and this will be on, on YouTube at some point as well. I brought up, I just Googled it. So is this, is this yep. what we're talking about? Is, it, is yeah. it the actual board game or is there an online version too? There is an online version too, but yeah, I had some buddies over uh, the other day uh, and, and we played uh, some industry pals actually. And we played a, a version of the old school Catan, uh, you know, like an actual board game. It's basically like a risk meets a monopoly type of thing where you're trying to build an empire. Uh, it sounds very nerdy. The more I talk about it, the nerdier it gets, <laughs> but uh, it was it was something that happened just the other day and, uh, and it, was, it was fun. That's awesome. No, I've never, you know, board games, uh, we like a good board game at the house. And I really think like uh, just having people over and having a board game, it seems like kind of an old school thing to do. And maybe nowadays that's an old person thing to do, but damn it, that's fun having a board game night, even if it's just, if it's with the family or if you're having friends over, oh, like yeah. board games are, a, are they're really fun. And there's two different ways to do it. One is the very intense way. Like if you and your buddies are like, no, no, no. I'm going to try to crush you and you're going to try to crush me and we're going to try to get two, three, four versions is because if I lose one or two, I want a still chance to, to get back at you. And the other kind is the one we did the other day where it was like, I don't know, we got snacks out, the baseball playoffs are on, you know, you take a minute, you watch that, you know, you go in a five minute rant about something, you joke around, whose turn is it? Oh, is my, okay, okay. So there's two very different ways to have a, a board game night. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love board games. I love doing the board games. I was big into, are you big into like any video game stuff? Like I, I was super into old school video games, like an old like when I was growing up, Nintendo or Super Nintendo yeah. and yeah. stuff like that. But ever I have a very small brain, John. So when yeah. it got past A and B button, I was like, wait, there's an X, there's a Y1, there's a Z2. I don't, I don't, I don't know. So I, I've had a hard time adapting to the to the newer video games. You and I are perfectly aligned there because i do a video game podcast with former packer amon green and one of the things i i always say or it's i think it's in our intro is you know i'm used to jump and run you right, know, that's right. what, and now it's like i by the way i love rocket league so that's kind of the game i've i've kind of um you know grown to or whatever uh, gone yeah. to and there are more buttons there and it's very complicated but i know exactly what you mean is there's so many buttons so many things are happening you're like uh i was just trying to hit the question block before right. <laughs> yeah you know? i'm trying to shoot a fireball that's all i need to do that's all i was trying to do yeah exactly so uh let's talk a little bit about your career because your journey to big 10 network do you have like a 60 second recap of the dream job experience when people ask you like do you know how to because i'm sure you get asked about dream job on espn like all the time yeah, I still do get asked about it. It is funny now that, you, I mean, amazingly, that was 18 years ago. So uh, it, a couple of years back, it got to the point where people 
uh, someone like 30 or older would know about it, but under 30 would be like, what was that? And you're like, oh yeah, well, of course, because you were, you know, nine at the time and you weren't staying up at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night to watch ESPN. Um, but yeah, the, the 60 second version is uh, back in 04, ESPN did their version of American Idol. They did a, a reality show, game show type thing. And the prize at the end of the Yellow Brick Road was a one-year contract to be a Sports Center host. And uh, I entered it as a senior in college and ended up making it on the show and ended up winning. And so uh, I the show ended in like late March of 04. And the, I had this meeting with all the executives at ESPN the, the day afterwards. And like, when can you start? And I was like, I've got like six weeks of college left. <laughs> and uh, they're like, go graduate. So June 1st, I, I two weeks after graduation, I, I moved up to Bristol and started working on ESPN News and SportsCenter. And uh, that was my beginning of my, my sportscasting career. It's such a, I remember that, you know, I guess 18 years ago, it doesn't feel like that sometimes, but I remember watching that. I thought that was a great show is really for sports fans. It, everything just kind of worked for that show at that time. Do you have any idea what were you, what you were going to do? Had you not won that? And obviously your career went that way with getting a job at ESPN. Boom. Just like that. If you don't win that, what do you think Mike Hall's doing? Well, I was a broadcast journalism student at the University of Missouri, which is one of the best places to be uh, a broadcast journalism student. So path A would have been to do what most people do, which is to try to get a job in, you know, as good a market as you can get, whether that's market 95 in Topeka, Kansas, or market 140 in, you know, uh, wherever, uh, Alabama or something like that, and, um, and try to get do good on air and then get a job in a better market and a better market. And then hope that that lot job leads you to ESPN. That, that was kind of the plan. Um, it was also possible that maybe I would have said, I don't know, let me just stick the degree in my back pocket and move to Chicago and pursue comedy and acting. And I don't, I don't really know, to be honest with you, what would have happened one way or another, but I was kind of, if dream job either didn't happen or if I was on the show, but didn't win it, I, I was kind of good wait, graduate and see where, where the, the chip sort of fell and, and find the best way forward at that time. So was that going to be then, would you, when you were going to graduate with that degree, were you thinking, I want to be like a TV reporter, like sitting down with the news, like a, 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 an anchor, like you are now, was that the job? Was it play by play? Was it sports talk show host or what yeah, was it? It was more the Dan Patrick, Keith Olbermann, Stuart sure. Scott, Carl Ravitch type of, of thing. I wanted to be a sports center guy. I wanted to be Bob Costas sitting behind a desk. Um, I did play by play in high school. I did it in college. I do it now actually too for basketball, but, um, but that wasn't why I got into it. I got into it because, you know, I just finished reading the Dick Ebersol book and it was just a, it was a great book, but it was also a flood of memories about, you know, sports and specifically NBC sports at that time. And like, yeah, I loved the NBA in the nineties, mostly because of Michael Jordan. But I also very nerd, uh, like I liked watching Bob Costas and I was like, if he's on, it feels bigger and more important. And it was easier for me to relate to him than it was to relate to Scottie Pippen. So that was kind of what jazzed me up. And that's what I always wanted to do. That's the reason I, I went to school and tried to get into the industry was to do what Dan and Keith or what Bob Costas was doing. Wow. And then, and then you get, you know, accelerated with that ESPN position. That must have been like. What was that like winning that and then knowing that, that oh my gosh, they're, they're paying me real money to do what I've wanted to do and I get to start at the top? Yeah, it was a, uh, you know, a video game thing. You jump from level two to level six because <laughs> you went yeah. down the, the right pipe. 
Um, it was very lucky. I mean, I still to this day know how fortunate I was for the timing of that, for me to be in the right place at the right time. Um, it was wild. It was, um, I mean, there's, I, I can't think of many examples where somebody's like, gee, in, in 10 years, my goal, if everything breaks right, is to start at the place or is to end up at the place where I'm actually going to start my career. Um, so I was, I was never not grateful for it. Uh, it was a, a whirlwind at the time because I was learning. Remember, when you're 22 and you're out of college, you're learning how to pay the gas bill on your own. You're learning how to eat food on your own. You're learning how to be an adult in a workplace on your own. But I was also learning how to do the job because I everything I learned in college was about all the behind the scenes stuff. Um, I learned how to hold a camera and how to edit film and how to write a script. But like, I didn't get a lot of experience actually on air anchoring. So I really learned on the job in Bristol, Connecticut, wow. yeah. which again was wonderful because I, I, I know everyone learns in a different way and there's different types of people. But I firmly believe strongly in the uh, you rise to the level of your competition, right? You, if you're surrounded by people who are great, it will force you to be great too. And I was surrounded by the best in the business, in the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was a very fortunate thing that, you know, a lot of kids, when you're 22 and you're starting in, in broadcast journalism, you're getting two minutes on the weekend at the end of the 10 o'clock news, if you're lucky and the weather didn't run long, cutting you to 90 seconds. And I was doing two hour shows every night and three hour shows on a college football Saturday. And, you know, the worst case scenario was when I would do an hour long sports center because that was only an hour to do the rest. <laughs> Whereas ESPN news, you'd get longer shifts. Um, so it was, it was a, it was a fascinating experience because you were learning how to be an adult and also learning how to do the job that you've always wanted to do. Yeah. Now you'd say you're fortunate, which you are, but I mean, obviously there's talent there or you don't win, you know, like there is obviously you're very talented at, at what you do. And I, I'm curious with that position of being that studio host, how much, cause you mentioned you, uh, you liked improv, you liked acting. How much do you think that type of, um, skill set benefited you in this role as well? Because I know you had to be very creative and, right. and be able to, almost improvise on the fly sometimes. So how much do you think those two things impacted uh, that and who you are now as a studio host? Uh, a lot. I think, you know, performing is performing, whether you're acting or you're broadcasting. Like at, at the end of the day, you know, journalism, broadcast journalism is a communication industry. You have to be able to communicate the message you're trying to get across to the viewers. And part of that is performance. It shouldn't be 90% of it, right? Then you're not really doing any journalism. You're just you know, a performance art person, um, but you have to be able to get your message across in a way that someone at home can, you know, take it in. Um, so that was a large part. I always tell people improv was almost, if not sometimes more valuable to what I do than a journalism degree, because when you're doing improv, you're reacting to what someone said, which forces you to be a good listener. So when you're doing an interview, you have to be a good listener. If you're just rattling off your questions, and you're not listening to the answers, you're never going to be very good at your job. And, <clears throat> pardon me. And improv forces you to do that. It forces you to be creative. It forces with, uh, it makes you deal with things you weren't planning. Yeah. So, you know, you can plan, I'm going to go in as a doctor who's saving the day and you start a scene and then your buddy comes in and says, uh, help me fix this pipe, Mac. And you're like, oh, right, we're plumbers. You know, like you have to adjust and the same thing with a show, you could have a highlight and you're reading it and all of a sudden they run the wrong highlight or, uh, you know, you're asking someone a question and they all of a sudden say, well, that's why I am going to quit the team today. And, you know, you weren't planning on on that. 
so it, it really does. There's a there's so many skills. Um, one of my friends, Nicole Auerbach, who's a, a person with us on the Big Ten Network, and she's a writer and yada yada. She ended up taking classes at it was either I O or Second City a year or two ago. And I was telling her, I was like, you should do it because it's fun and you'll meet great people and it's a thing to do in Chicago. But also, you're going to be better at TV if you do that because it will it will keep you sharp, it will keep you creative, it will keep your mind thinking in a way that will help you when you're on air. That's really interesting. So, what would you say is in improv, what is the number one rule? Because you talk about listening, like, like what is that number one rule to, I don't know, like when you first get into improv and you're trying to figure out what the heck's going on, what, what's what's the tip you would give somebody? Well, the the Chicago style improv is is more like a longer form improv, but but the, the basic gist of it is called yes and, right? It basically means if you and I are in a scene and you say something, I have to agree with it by saying yes, and then I add something to it by saying and. So if you start off a scene and you say, again, uh, Mac, uh, help me bust this pipe, I can't say no to it and go, <laughs> my name's not Mac, it's Brian, and I'm a doctor. Okay. Like not, there's no scene there. But if right. you say, yeah, man, of course, I'll help you with that pipe. I can't believe we got to fix this sooner. This basement's going to be flooded. Right. You have to agree to it and then add on to it. And then your partner's job is to agree to it. I know it's going to be flooded. And geez, our, my daughter's fifth birthday party is in an hour and a half. We better get going. And then all of a sudden you're building a world together that nobody planned. Either of you planned beforehand. Yeah. But if you if you accept it and then you try to add on to it, that's how you build a scene. And that's I mean, that's really helpful in, I mean, it's mostly helpful for improv, but the concepts of it, the tenets of it work in life. It certainly works in sports broadcasting. Um, it works in, in creative anything. If you're in a meeting with someone and your instinct is just to say, no, I don't like it or that won't work, you're not going to get much done. But if someone throws out an idea and you go, yeah, I think we could do that. And what if we did this on top of yeah. it? Yeah. It's a more healthy way to, to move things forward. Hmm. And then when you're, how's your brain work when you're doing the improv and you do that? Yes. And is it, is it the first, do you just go with your instinct in the very first thing? Or do you spend a split second saying, well, if I said this, or do you not even have time to think if I said this? You should go with your instinct. The first thing, if you take a couple seconds, I mean, unless your character that you've created is someone who's slower or who takes time to think of something, yeah. but for the most part, it's better to do. Uh, this person sets something up. Okay, what's my initial response? What's the first thing I think of? I say it, and then he re he or she reacts to it, and then you react, and blah 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 blah. So it's it's more because the idea behind that is then no matter what, every scene you're doing is something that's never existed before. So that's sort of the idea is every time you see an improv show, it couldn't have been written before because there was no way to plan it before because you weren't coming out with an agenda and your partner wasn't coming out with an agenda, but the two of you combined create a world and a scene that in theory has, has never existed and never will again. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, do you watch the office? Sure. Yeah. Do you remember the scene? This is, I don't know why I, I've thought of this, but you're just talking about going with yes. And do you remember the scene when Michael Scott, uh, he was there and he just kept pulling out his gun. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he was just always wants to be the, the, the cop and yeah. just, I don't know. It made me think of that. Cause he never did the yes. And he was taking control of the situation all the time and just well, always putting it as he's a, like an action hero. And right? part of why that works is Steve Carell is one of the all time greats from second city and from the improv world. So that's, they would make a lot of improv jokes because a lot of their writers were improvisers as well. And so they could use that, that concept of Michael Scott is supposed to be like the, the worst boss, right? Well, he's also <laughs> the worst of a lot of things, the worst boyfriend, the worst improviser. And so Pharrell knows all the things you should not do uh, in a scene to make a successful scene. And that allowed him and those writers to perfectly say, well, if the worst person in the world at improv 
is there, he would do this, this, and this. That's hilarious. Yeah, I bet you, I bet you that helped because I, I always, I die when I see that scene because I just think it's the concept of him just, you know, his character just wanting to always do that and to <laughs> to know now that obviously he was part of that that improv in Chicago and that he knows exactly how to make that character work is yeah. is really really funny. Um. When are you coming to Madison? You're going to be in Madison soon, right? Soon. Uh, the first weekend of November, we are doing our uh, football pregame show, our Saturday morning show called Big Ten Tailgate. Uh, I don't know the exact location, but somewhere just outside of um, Camp Randall. Uh, okay. We'll be set up. We'll do it from 9 to 11 a.m. right before, I think, kickoff is either, I think it's an 11 o'clock kick. It might be 2.30, but um, I don't think they've decided yet. But uh, we'll do our pregame show, and I will come in the Friday, the day before, and we'll shoot some features around campus, maybe meet with the head coach or a player. I'll go to a place and try a burger in town. Um, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be fun. Madison's, you know, it, this isn't news to anybody. Madison is most people's favorite or top two or three campuses in the Big Ten to visit, and it's, it's obvious why. Yeah. Is that the, the November 5th game? Correct. Yeah, that's okay. That's the one I'm giving tickets away to. Okay, so I did see you talked about uh, best burger. So I saw on the Twitter. Let me pull up my Twitter, and I retweeted your tweets uh, from I believe like a few days ago. But you said you're coming to campus. Yeah. You need the best burger spot in town. Asking where it is and why. So if you want to get on Twitter at Mike Hall here and let him know Badger fans where they should be having their burger because I, I see a lot of people put Dotties. Dotties. I mean that's. That's the number one thing that everybody in this city will tell you is Dottie's. But then I see some people uh, at the end here trying to talk about, oh, where is it? Blue Moon. Now, I have never eaten a burger at the Blue Moon, but uh, there's another suggestion. It's a little, yeah. little place just off uh, University Avenue. Yeah, there's. that's been the, the fun thing with doing this is like I found most places you'll get 70 to 80% agree the best burger is here. Mm -hmm. uh but there's always like two or three others that are like yeah but this is a little more this might be better but less popular or this is a better atmosphere but worse food or better food but worse atmosphere yada yada um which is kind of the fun thing right because your, your college campus those are those things they're attached to so much right because it reminds you of being 19 it reminds you of being with your friends all those all those stuff rushes in that sometimes maybe even the food in theory isn't even that good <laughs> yeah. you remember it and it tastes better because of everything that comes with it well here let me give you some suggestions so i wrote okay. down my my top places so besides dotties which i think is probably a spot you guys are going to have to go um i will submit to you the village green in middleton so it's just outside of madison it's not okay. too far from downtown village green it's this little um some would describe it as a dive used okay. to be i believe a bowling alley that got re uh modeled into what it is now but they're just the plain old cheeseburger when i first tried that and i was part of a food tour in middleton i was just a night out with the family or whatnot i tried that i was like oh my god i found the burger that i'm going to be eating for the rest of my life as long as I'm in the Madison area and it's at the Village Green. Great. I love it. I love so, it. Write that down. Also, yeah. Great Dane, you might want to check out, obviously. Um, you can stop at me and Julio. They have a great selection of food. Uh, you can stop at Ian's Pizza. They might have a, a slice with some sort of burger thing. And then, it. of course, I saw a lot of people say this too. Have you ever been to a Culver's? Yes. Yes. I love okay. Culver's. And okay. give me those fries any day, man. <laughs> That's crinkle cut. You're the best. Okay, so there's uh, some uh, suggestions. Uh, so when you come to Madison, you can go check that out. I'll be watching that. I want to know which spot you pick, okay? Yeah, definitely, for sure. We It it comes down to sometimes, I mean, the, 
the lame answer is sometimes it comes with logistics. If some place sure. says you can shoot in here, or some place says you can't, you go to option two or three or what have you. So I right. certainly gets closer to we'll we'll figure out the place. Man, what a fun job. You get to travel around the big ten cities and go eat food and be silly. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. There <laughs> are worse gigs. I like it. I like it. So people can see you on that. They can also obviously catch you on Big Ten Network. And you're doing play-by-play as well. So I might see you around. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be doing men's and women's basketball play-by-play all winter. I think my first game's coming up November 8th. Um, and uh, yeah, going all the way till the, till March. Okay. Well, if you happen to have a Wisconsin women's basketball game on that uh, schedule, perhaps we'll see each other if you're not doing it remote or whatnot. Um Mr. Mike Hall, thank you so much. I don't know why I called you Mr. Mike Hall, but thank you so much. No, it's appropriate. You give me respect. Okay. Sorry, sir. Mr. Mike Hall joins us here today from Big Ten Network. Go have fun with the uh, one-year-old, three-year-old, and six-year-old because I'm sure they're going to keep you busy pretty soon here when they get get there. Thanks for having me on, man. That was fun. All right, cool. Thank you. There you go. That is Mike Hall, Mr. Mike Hall from the Big Ten Network. Uh, So thank you to Mike for joining me on this podcast. A reminder to everybody – me and Julio is the spot to go if you want to go check out uh, college football Saturdays or pro football Sundays. I've got $3 Coors Light pints, $5 classic margaritas during those days, and uh, also open seven days a week. Also brought to you by my good friends at Ian's Pizza, three locations in Madison, and they're giving away free pizza, okay? Free slices of mac and cheese on election day, November 8th from 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. They're closed until 5, so go vote first, get your pizza next. That's at Ian's Pizza in the three Madison locations. And once again, the final question for you uh, this week to win my buddy's college football tickets for Saturday, November 5th, plus a $50 gift card to me and Julio. Answer this question and uh, write it down. uh, Post your answer on social media, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram under the episode posts of this one and the last two episodes as well. I've explained it so many times. Just listen to an episode. Uh, As a head coach, how many conference championship teams has Kelly Sheffield coached? As a head coach, how many conference championship teams has Kelly Sheffield coached? Answer that question, answer all three correct, and you'll be eligible for the drawing for those football tickets and the gift card. All right. Thanks to my call once again, and thanks to you for listening to the John Cast podcast. Goodbye.